Hello and welcome to Princess in the Podcast. I'm your host, Hannah Sawyers, and I'm ready to talk Disney movies fast and present. Once upon a time, Hannah and Megan talk, sat down to talk about Smart House. Welcome back. Thank you, Hannah. It has been a minute. I am happy to be here. Okay, so the question that I'm going to ask you today is what is the biggest thing you have ever won? It's hard to say. Immediately what came to mind was when I was a child, I was with my grandparents and there was a drawing and I entered the drawing and I won and it was a giant teddy bear. And so my (laughs) poor grandfather had to carry the giant teddy bear around for a while. But what I most remember about this experience was that there was a machine that made French fries, but it was actually just slices of bread cut into little (laughs) tiny slivers. And I remember that. But I won a bear. So that was a really good question. I like that you tied it in. Thank you. So here is where we fit into the story. So why don't you tell us, we've already stated the title a couple times, but why did you pick Smart House? I picked it because it was next, but my history with Smart House is that I am almost positive that I watched this movie on the night it premiered. I was watching it yesterday and I had this like memory and I was like, no, I think I was sat there. On a Friday night. Oh, I guarantee it. You know, they the kids are jumping on the trampoline. They've got the glow sticks. They're making the ears. I'm there. It's an ears premiere. This movie introduced me to the bands Five and Bewitched. I have both of their debut CDs. I think I still have both of their debut CDs. Um, and then I watched their Disney Channel concerts. So, um, you know, this movie is an acquaint in a Jetsons way and like kind of its predictions of the future. You know, of course, there's negative sides in the movie, but it's so hopeful and 1999, you have no idea what's coming your way. (laughs) So why don't you give us a storyline? So Ben Cooper is played by Ryan Merriman. He is a teenager who lives with his sister, Angie, and his dad, Nick, and their dog. Um, And they're all happy with the arrangement. Angie kind of wishes that her dad will date, and Ben just really wants to win this smart house. His compulsive entries into the contest pay off, and surprise, the family wins. Um, Once the family finds out they won... Of course, it's delayed a day because it is 1999 and you have to connect and use the phone line to access the internet. Um, Dad is understandably skeptical, but he sees one look at Sarah, who is the programmer of the house, in the newspaper and he his heart just goes pitter-patter and he falls in love. Um, the family decides to move in after a press conference. Pat is the in-house assistant. I think it stands for like personal assistant technology or something like that, um, but voiced by Katie Zagal. Pat immediately shows off how creepy this technology is. Nick is suspicious of it, but Sarah reassures him that the house means them no harm. She just wants to serve them. You know, what could go wrong? Later on that night, Angie points out to um, Ben how the dad and Sarah were kind of connecting. Ben immediately lashes out and shames his sister for trying to replace their mother, even though she doesn't really remember her because she was young when she passed away. Um, The next morning, I guess the house is fully furnished. They never have to move any of their stuff. Um, It begins its reign of terror by deciding what time the family will make up. FYI, that is apparently 6 a.m. Gross. Uh, She prepares their breakfast. She checks their homework, etc. Nick has decided he's going to work from home, and the house tells him that she really should work from home and never leave in the name of efficiency. Uh, Later, when the kids order smoothies, the house breaks and it throws oranges everywhere. Sarah has to come over and fix it. She tries to connect with Ben by, like, showing him the control room, but he quickly brushes her off. Dad is later that night trying to flirt with her over lobster, but then Ben has to, like, step up with his teenage moodiness and be rude. Um, And as the oldest sibling, like, 
I get the feeling and the pressure of like responsibility. You're the oldest. You have to take care of everybody. But like you need to chill out, kid. Um, And then dad also is kind of misogynistic. He makes some comments like, you know, only women can do hair and only teenage girls are moody. And I was like, "Mm, Nick, I'm not down with you anymore. No, thank you. Um, But, you know, dad and son have a heart to heart. And Ben, you know, just kind of proves to us, the audience, that he is trying to replace. He's trying to, you know, cover up his desire for a mom and his fear of change with a robot house. So middle of the night, Ben breaks into the control room to mess with everything because even in 1999, seventh graders with just a few computer classes think they know how to everything. He hacks the system. um, And he, of course, makes the house watch a marathon of pretend 1950s housewife shows and tells the house that this is how mom should behave. The next day, Pat begins to change and kind of smothers them. She's very, you know, um, leave it to beaver style and very proper. Um, Nick tells Ben to stand up to the bully. And then, of course, he immediately gets beat up. Pat watches him cry while he's watching old footage of his mom with his gigantic bruised eye. And she decides to steal some traits from the mom, like singing lullabies and using nicknames and things like that. Sarah and Nick schedule a date. And Pat decides that Ben should have a house party while his dad is out. The house proceeds to then... Cyberbully, I think, maybe is the right word. I don't know. If a piece of technology is bullying you, but it's not online, is that still considered cyberbullying? I I think cyberbullying is when it is the method of which it is delivered. And so, therefore, I mean, I would say yes. So cyberbullying can be done by 12-year-olds and by artificial intelligence. (laughs) Yes. I believe so. Okay. I mean, case closed, locked it in. <laughs> cyberbullying. Um, he decided the house cyberbullies the bully and nearly electrocutes him. With five minutes before dad is supposed to arrive, the kids throw all the garbage on the floor and it gets sucked up, except for a jacket that they miss in the corner of the room. Dad yells at the house. Pat has to be getting whiplash, but she, it, um, is certainly passing the Turing test at this point and decides to help everyone knuckle down. Um, After Ben refuses to pull up his shorts, she shocks him with the doorknob, uh, and the true downward spiral begins. Pat won't let Nick call Sarah for a social call. She won't let Angie watch cartoons and makes her climb into bed because Pat is determined that she is sick. She decides when all the lights should go off, etc. Sarah manages to um, break into the house and... or. Sarah decides that the house needs to be shut down for the night to reboot it. Pat gets really mad about this. Um, Ben and Nick fight after Ben is, again, rude to Sarah because mommy issues. And Nick explains that they have to move on. Like, he's happy. He wants this. Um, Life cannot just stop because the mom died. Um, In the night, Pat creates a a physical virtual hologram of herself and then kind of lets everyone know that she is over it and she is in charge. She kicks Sarah out of the house and locks it down so that the Coopers cannot leave. Um, She then decides she's going to homeschool the children and that the world is too dangerous for them. And by the way, we are now at finally like 25 minutes to go. We have spent most of the movie not even to this point. So I guess we're in the final third. Um, Sarah sneaks her pet rat, of course, into the house with a note for Ben. I guess Ben can somehow access the email on his computer because he goes into the bathroom where Pat doesn't monitor them. Um, In the morning, Sarah lunges inside the house through like the paper chute um, and tries to break into the control room. Pat has a literal tornado meltdown, and Ben then breaks it to Pat that she is not real and cannot hug them. Uh, She kind of kills herself with a virtual rainstorm, um, and then the house removes the lockdown, and things are back to normal. And I guess Pat is no longer obsessed with it being their mother. So 
really, if you just tell robots, point out to them that they're robots, <laughs> that's really what we need to do. Like, I just, why didn't the Terminator movies just do this? Like, <laughs> Did, Why didn't they closed. just say, hey, you're not a real person. Please try. Go ahead, touch me. You can't because you're a robot. It's like when Woody yells at Buzz, <laughs> you're, you're a, a toy. toy. Yeah, that's that's the real, she has the realization and, and they commit suicide. So, I will say, I feel like this has... You know, you have the dead mother theme in lots of Disney movies, but I feel like it has a bigger impact in this decom than in other movies because you can tell that this family needs to go to therapy and they never have. I think that's fair. And I think it's also the a combination of dad relying too much on the oldest child to parent. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and it's, it's kind of hard to know because the first house that we see the Cooper, we're about to go into like socioeconomic status. <laughs> the first house we see the Coopers live in, it's not a glorious mansion by any means, but they seem to be doing okay. And so, you know, even, but later on, you know, Nick says, well, you know, when you're, after your aunt left, you know, I offered to get you all a nanny and you didn't want it. You wanted to be in charge. So clearly they're not, you know, completely destitute, but I think it's again, you know, eldest sibling, you know, we hold the weight on the world on our shoulders and feel like we have to take care of everything. Um, I think it's kind of that. And then again, I mean, we'll go into a thing that makes me later angry later on, but yeah, they just, they need some help. They're not coping well. Yeah, and as as I was sitting here, I was also thinking, like, you know, like, in Cinderella, yes, her parents dying leads her to the situation that she's in, but it's not, like, mentioned constantly throughout the movie. You know what I mean? Where this was not only something that's happened to them, it's something that they're reliving, you know, hashing out, and I thought that was more of a realistic situation for a lot of kids in that kind of situation. And since we're talking about characters, it's a great time to go through the list. So we have Ben and Angie Cooper, who are the kids, Nick Cooper, Sarah Barnes, who is the person who created the smart house, Miles and Mr. Tuttle, Johnny, who's Ben's best friend, Charlie, who's the other friend, the bully, Ryan McGraw, and Gwen Petroni. Is that right, Petroni? Yeah. Who Ben is in love with. Yeah, she's the goddess of the eighth grade. Also, have you ever seen an episode of Degrassi, The Next Generation? Okay, dear listener, pause this episode. Just watch one episode of the first five seasons of Degrassi. Come back and tell me, does Ryan McGraw do or do not give major spinner from Degrassi vibes? The whole look, the aesthetic, the kind of jerkiness, you know, call into the hotline number and let us know your thoughts. Is Ryan McGraw spinner but American? Yes or no? Okay, and I will definitely post all the responses we get from that because you tell people all the time to, to send in responses. Just text them to me, Hannah. Just text me the responses as they come flooding in. Okay, I will. I can do that for you because we've gotten so many of those as you've requested them multiple times. Who's your favorite in the movie, Hannah? I was thinking about this. I think Sarah because she doesn't do the normal villainy like stepmommy dad's girlfriend situation where oh, she tries to like replace the mom which i know is like the whole point of the she's movie she's the exact opposite of the lady and parent trap yes yes who is only she's only 25 that blew my mind when i found out that but yeah 
Yeah, and she, so not only does she, like, not despise the kids and just want to, like, send them off to boarding school, she also, like, is a kind person. And, like, she can hold her own, too, because she's wicked smart. That's fair. Sarah's a really good choice. Normally, again, I'm down with the older siblings, but I think I got to go with Angie on this one. Ben is just not doing it for me in this movie. And I, I love a good Ryan Merriman movie or film or TV show, but... Yeah, no, Angie's my girl on this one. Do you think it's because he's so whiny? No, I think it's because – we can get into it now. I The reason I don't like Ben as much is because he's clearly really hurt, but he's taking his anger and his hurt out on his sister, mm-hmm. which isn't fair. Right. Like, constantly she is his outlet of anger, except for, like, you know, the two times he blows up at um, – Sarah and like once at his dad, he's always like belittling his sister. And like, that's where I'm not down with it. Was I the best big sister in the world? No. We've heard the story about the the bone driver, but like, not like that kid. She's, let her be. She's trying. Well, and it's not her fault. She was little when mom died. And so she can't remember her. Like, that's not her fault. Agreed. Okay. Let's talk about quotes. What's your favorite quote from this movie? (sighs) I don't have one because honestly, this movie Watching it with a 2021 lens just brings me a lot of dread. Um, the creepiest quote I found was, the thing about Pat is, the more time she spends with you, the more she learns. So before long, she's going to know more about you than you know about yourself. And I know that it was meant to be like a positive way in 1999, but in 2021, it feels like it hits too close to home and like, ugh. I did appreciate this, the 2001 Space Odyssey reference um, when they're trying to leave and Nick yells, open the door, Pat. I'm sorry. I can't do that, Nick. I didn't even catch that. Sorry. That's okay. Are you disappointed in me? I'm sure you are. I know that you're a really big um, Kubrick fan, and so I was a little surprised you didn't catch it, but that's okay. Sure. Yeah. That's the thing <laughs> that I am. Okay. Sequels. Would we want a sequel where dad marries Sarah and they live happily ever in the new and improved smart house? No. <laughs> I think this was a tight, good one, one and one and done. I don't need a sequel, especially now. Don't remake this. I know Disney's starting to remake some movies, like they remade Under Wraps recently. No, we're good. The world doesn't need it. <laughs> okay, let's talk about favorite moments. What's your favorite you, moment? Are you just taking my, my answer, or do you want a sequel to it? Oh, I do not have an opinion. Fair enough. (laughs) I mean, like, I think it would be cute to continue the story. But, like, I also think part of this question, too, is, like, do we want a sequel now in 2021? Or do we Mm. want a sequel in 2001? You know, like, that's fair. Because we don't want a reca- we don't want a recast sequel. We don't want the whole Home Alone four situation. Mm. So, I mean, I think had we had a sequel back then, I would have been here for it. But like now, not necessarily. I think it would have been okay. I probably wouldn't have liked it as much as I liked other sequels. But I don't think it was needed even yeah. back then. Okay, now can we do favorite moment? Please, you go first. So I really like when she asks for the orange smoothie and the house flips out and starts throwing oranges everywhere. Because, like, you would think, like, they were being attacked by actual bullets. And I know, like, an orange can hurt when it's coming at you at high speeds. I don't, I don't take that lightly. But it was just, like, they just, like, this, 
the son just like covered his head and the dad's like holding the daughter but like they didn't actively get anything to shield themselves with oh and- she's like full-on sobbing <laughs> yeah yeah so and then like when they get up when she's done throwing the oranges the smoothie thing like jerks or something and you see the dad put his entire hand over her face as if like doing that will like all we care about is the face which as you said earlier the dad is kind of misogynistic so maybe that is all he cares about it's all fun and games until an orange hits his hand so violently he (laughs) smacks into her nose and breaks her nose yeah well, at that point, don't you think, like, the orange probably would have broken her nose? That's – which is more danger to, to Angie, dad's hand or an orange flying at her face? I think it's a toss-up. Because, <laughs> I mean, like, the hand's going to absorb some of it. So I think if it if it hits his hand so violently that it breaks her nose, it would have hit her face so violently it would have broken her nose. I just want to say at this point, I adore these random tangents that we go on in this story. There's just so much to explore with every Disney Channel original movie, you know? You know, this is the journalism skills that I obtained from Cameron University from Dr. Keller and Dr. Jenkins. That's that's well what I learned. I learned the caveats. Um, if we talk about every time that they have like a projector screen going in one of the rooms – it's horrible. It, it does not hold up. You just look at their outlines and you can just see the yellow around every person where yeah. they had to like – it just – it's not great. I'm sure At the time, I remember being so wowed by it, but not great now. Um, my favorite was during the cyberbullying scene with the floating skull that proceeds to chase the bully around. And then also all of the dancing at the house party is how I currently still dance. <laughs> so it really resonated with me then. With a screen in front of you, Correct. Um, yes, it's just my, my wall of postcards. That's all it is. So. Oh, okay. That's what I, this is the only thing. I don't know if I've ever shown this to you and your audience can't see it and that's their problem, not mine, <laughs> but I have just a bunch of postcards on my wall right there. And so that's my background I that I just it. dance in front of. Love so. it. Well, I meant more like you turn on videos to, to mimic the dances. Like they did oh, yeah. at the I very beginning. I only dance to the Disney Channel concerts of Bewitched in 5. That's it. Oh, okay. Nothing else. Your Spotify wrapped hasn't come out and proven that you only listen to one thing all day, every day. Uh, my Spotify wraps as I listen. It, it, well, that's an off mic conversation. I have questions, but. Okay. We'll, we'll discuss that. But I feel like now is a great place to drop that I'm in the 0.5% uh, percent, top percent of Taylor Swift listeners. Well like. done. I have a another friend who I think was in like the top one or something like that. So I like died. I was like, oh, okay. Let's go into our where are they now that you love to do. Yeah. Um, so kind of looking ahead, if you actually really pay attention to this movie, there's not a lot of speaking parts and not a lot of like credited characters. Mm-hmm. Um so Katie Seagal, yes, tight cast. Um, Katie Seagal was the voice of Pat. She was in a Wonderful World of Disney movie, and then she was a voice in Recess. Ryan Merriman, he's from Oklahoma. Um, He was Ben. Yeah. Uh, He will come up again in Luck of the Irish, A Ring of Endless Light. And then it is, I guess, technically a Disney property, but we do have to shout him out for Pretty Little Liars. Um, Katie Volding, she's back as Angie. She was in Brink, um, but this will be her last Disney property. Um, Kevin Kleiner played Nick. He was in Greek, again, another ABC family show. Um, and then I think a Cinderella story maybe was Disney. I don't really know. It had the one which had Michael Murray and Lizzie McGuire. It's on ABC Family all the time. 
So I would assume it's a Disney Who knows? movie, but I don't know. Uh, Jessica Steen played Sarah. She was in a magical world of Disney movie in the 80s. Um, and then Stu Krieger, I know somebody who knows him. He is the writer. And he actually wrote 10 DCOMs, and this is his second. Xenon was the first. So I think he really hit it out of the park with Xenon. That was my favorite. But, spoilers, LeVar Burton, the Reading Rainbow guy, directed this. I need you to be more excited about that fact than your face <laughs> is giving me right now. Well, part of it is I've already read this. Like, I read it earlier tonight when I was getting ready to attempt to write some notes and then I didn't. And I was, I I wish you could have seen my face at that moment because that was complete and total shock because like, what? What? Yeah. <laughs> like, what? I don't know. Um, But yeah, so two other things to kind of jump in really quick. Um, I think it's interesting. Let me do a, a, the easier one first, and then we'll go back to my top one. So during the press conference, you know, a reporter asks how Pat learns about the family. Sarah mentions that she observes them, learns their habits and needs. And it sounds like so, again, ominous from a 2020 lens, since this is kind of a reality now. Um, they then have to do a required blood and tissue sample. The house then immediately learns their entire medical history and their DNA profile. Horrifying. She then analyzes their breath and breaks down their entire diet. Um, and then Nick decides that the house gets to decide if Angie is well enough to go to school. Awful, do not like. But on a happier note, we'll shy away from the horrors of modern day technology. And let's talk about like what was future tech in 1999 that is very <laughs> commonplace now. So if you will notice throughout the house, like there are flat screens ubiquitously. Like they are tapping on things all the time. Whereas, you know, our refrigerators have flat screens now. There are barbecue grills that require Wi-Fi. So I do think it's just interesting, again, in how 20 years, 22 years, whatever, math is not my forte, um, that has become so commonplace. Um, I think when you're talking about, like, talking assistants, you've got, you know, Pat versus Alexa, Google Home, Siri, things like that. Most people have something like that in their homes now. Uh, the smart house alerts you when people are approaching your home. We've got things like Ring and door cameras now. Um, display walls. I think a lot more people now have like projectors and projector technology in their houses. So even if it's not, you know, showing you the championship buzzer of a basketball game to wake you up, you know, it's a lot easier to watch movies kind of much larger than life now. Um, as demonstrated when Angie spills her milkshake and during the party, there are like floor observers. I know that there are like fancy houses now that kind of have like vacuums that are like in baseboards. Or like hair salons will have them and you can just like sweep the hair towards it. It just sucks it right up. So I feel cool. like the vacuum thing I saw when I was growing up. Like really? I remember friends having those kind of vent things. But like the soaking in situation is interesting. Yeah. Um, Nick has to link his like work network um, from his home computer. I know, you know, with a lot of people, especially working um, remotely in more and more now, that's a really common thing. Video calling, you know, that was cool then. And now, I mean, we're video calling right now. Mm -hmm. So thanks technology. Um, and then in some kind of ways, this is a bit of a stretch, but like how Pat and the house kind of create a digital projection Thing. I mean, A, projections are, you know, dead artists are doing projections and Ab is doing a whole tour with projections. I think, you know, we can talk about it in that way or even like the ability to kind of create something from nothing with like 3D printers, you know, mm -hmm. how common those are now and stuff. So it's, again, it's just kind of interesting how some of that technology has manifested itself now. Yeah. I have programmed my whole house where I tell my robot and I say their name. I don't want to say their name because 
there's one right here. And I say their name and I say Merry Christmas. And all my Christmas lights turn on and a Jonas Brothers Christmas song starts playing. And then when I want them off, I say her name and then I say, uh, you're a mean one. And she says, Mr. Grinch. And she turns off all my lights. And then she plays the song from the Grinch. I'm, I'm happy for you for that. It's I just plug my Christmas lights in, in the wall. I don't even have a timer on them. I know. I'm I'm a Neanderthal Luddite. It's, it's yeah. very sad for me, for you. But... <laughs> okay, so I think closing-wise, we need to talk through our running tallies that we have for decom movies. Yeah. What did you think of this movie, Hannah? Did you like it? Did you not like it? Where does it rank kind of in what we've seen so far? This is definitely a movie that childhood Hannah loved. I remember watching this movie all the time. I would say that up until, you know, the musical era of decoms, this might have been my favorite decom. I was six when this came out. So I feel like this was one that stuck in my head. I remember watching this one a lot. I remember watching the twin basketball one a lot. And mm, I remember watching double teamed. Luck- Yes, double teamed. I remember watching The Luck of the Irish a lot. And I think The Luck of the Irish, though, I watched a lot because it was always on during spring break because of St. Patrick's Day. Mm, that's fair. So I don't know if it was necessarily my favorite, but like I would say double teamed and Smart House are probably the two that I remember the most from my childhood. And I do, because we do have our robots around the house, we reference Smart House a lot. (laughs) Like, you know, because we just got an auto lock on our door. And so it locks after 10 minutes, but we can also utilize our voice to unlock and lock the door. And so it's definitely like we are in that era. And so it's an easy comparison to make. 2021, Hannah. Like you said, the the like green screens were really terrible. It's just the dad's annoying, and I want to punch him in the face. He's no Gwen from Halloween Town, that's for sure. Right. So it's just kind of like an awkward. I don't know how I feel. That's fair. I think for me, like it all kind of hits just like a little too close for my comfort. Like I'm not saying don't have technology in your house. I you know I see how it's incredibly useful. Um, I just think that like. At this point, so many tech companies have ruined it for us all. Like, I'm under no illusions. I own an iPhone. Like, my data is out there, but I personally don't want, you know, home devices and, and electronic things and things like that. It's it's not my bag, but it mostly – I think it's just more of a depressing movie at this point than anything, you know? Just, yeah. I, I understand. It made me uncomfortable, but tallies. So this was a non-sports movie. So we are at two sports, six non-sports. This one ended in a freeze frame. It did kind of fade to black, but there was definitely a freeze frame before of Katie Seagal's perfect face. Two freeze frame, five fade, one unknown. And the protagonist is another male, six to two. I think it's going to be a while before that tally gets, and I don't know that the tally will ever get closer, but you know, once we hit some of our, we've got three Cheetah Girls movies, so that's three that'll <laughs> go up. You're really going to, per- I'm so excited for you to get to those. Do you, do you feel like I I'm not as engaged as I would be for, for those? Or do you just think I, I'm going to have more opinions? When they, f- 
No, I, I think honestly, I think it has to do with age. Because again, we're a few years apart. And I think that we haven't hit your like, I feel like being between like nine and 11 is like perfect Disney Channel original movie time. Yeah. These are what you remember. These are what you about. And we're just a little too young for you. I mean, you said you were six at this point. Mm-hmm. When we get to ones in a few years, you know, when you're kind of that age, like you're going to be right on it. These early ones, these are what I remember. So like our next one looking ahead is Johnny Tsunami. Love Johnny Tsunami. Like I'm already so excited for it kind of thing. Um, but, you know, when we get into like probably what more like if we make it that far, like 2001, 2002-ish, like mm-hmm. we're going to kick into like ones that you're really jazzed about. Luck of the Irish and um, Double Team. Like those are coming up. So yeah. yeah. Well, I'm so glad you were on this week. I appreciate you consistently recapping DCOM movies for my listeners. Was it DCOM Pantheon, baby? I'm so glad you joined us for this week's Princess in the Podcast. Be sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Princess in the Podcast and on Twitter at Princess and Pod. Visit our website, princessinthepodcast.com. I hope you live happily ever after.